0: To Totalus Rankium. This week, Jerry Part <laughs> 2.
1: That's not, that's not the title, Jamie.
0: It is. Jerry Part 2.
1: Fine. Okay, it can be the title. Although I do have it recorded from last time, so I'll be able to change it myself. I oh, know you Welcome to Totalus
0: Rankium. This week, Warren Harding. Hello and welcome to American Presidents, Totals Rankium. I am Jamie.
1: And I am Rob and this is episode 29.2. It's not Jerry,
0: it's Warren Harding. It is definitely Jerry. I mean, to be fair, Jerry is part of the episode. I mean, we had to determine if it's a large part or a small part, but still a part. <laughs>
1: We will not be judging the size of Jerry. <laughs> that is not what this podcast is turning into. Right, here we are. We've had a bit of a break. Uh, we, we had a week off, didn't we? Yep. So it's been a while since we did uh, Harding Part 1. But I'm uh, guessing yeah. you still remember what we talked about. Oh, yeah. Part 2. Let, let's see how he
0: does in his presidency, shall we? I'm guessing... Well, everyone says he's really boring. Apart from the Jerry thing, he's really boring. So I think he just plods along. Fair enough. Oh, mm. we well, we're see, we're won't we? Right. Yes, we will. Do you want to start us off? Flesh-coloured. Seriously? <laughs> You're going yeah. there. Well, it depends whether you get there or not. saw <laughs> down zero. Okay, let's start with flesh-coloured, because mm. we're indeed
1: looking at skin. It's close-up of skin. Yeah. If you can see the little hair sticking up. And, yeah. Uh, really close. Uh, and then, See the
0: veins, almost, you could say.
1: And then you see red, dark red, just coming from the top of the screen. As you realise oh, you are f- dear. really zoomed in <laughs> on a droplet of blood. that oh. is slowly moving across the surface of this skin. Oh, Jerry. It's not Jerry. Oh. It zooms out. And you realise that the camera is above a man. A man in a room. This man... He's lying on the floor, and he has a waste paper bin on his head. Right. Yeah. And you realise that you were zoomed in right right on his neck just before it goes in to the, the waste paper bin. And out of the waste paper bin that's on top of the head is a trickle of blood. Oh dear. And uh, there you go, just slowly fade to black. That very morbid image... Warren Harding, Part Two. Hey,
0: yeah. In brackets and Jerry. So I'm not letting this go for the entire episode.
1: <laughs> no, no, I can tell. I thought I'd try and move away with a really serious, morbid opening, but no, no. No, it's... I'm, I'm
0: keeping a tight grip on Jerry. <laughs> You'll have so much fun editing this episode. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh God, never should have focused on Jerry so much last week. I feel like I've created a monster. Right. <laughs> Okay, here we are. Harding part two. We left Harding entering the White House in a landslide. That's a good way to
0: travel. <laughs> yeah, <About> up a
1: mountain. <laughs> Uh, well, if you remember, his election was very vague and uh, that it was full of general promises of being American. Yeah. But the Democrats, if you remember, had really suffered due to economic problems, uh, the World War, the internal race terrorism of the KKK that's starting to spring up once more. So things aren't great. And the Democrats take a battering in the polls. So Harding manages to pretty much walk into the White House. <laughs> Which is impressive when you're on a landslide Yeah yeah. Uh, And of course he's not alone Because he goes with his wife With his wife, Florence Ah, okay And yes, most likely Jerry And in my notes it said And if you remember, somebody else But obviously you'll just say Jerry So I'm not going to say that line now
0: Okay
1: I feel like I'm going to have to self-edit what I say throughout (laughs) this episode now uh, to make sure it's as clean as possible, which might be tricky, uh, because obviously uh, he didn't just go to the White House with Florence. But there's somebody else who uh, Harding Ooh. likes to keep in contact with. Jerry, shall we say? Oh, can you remember who?
0: Oh, I've got her name. Hang on, I'll find it out. Her name, as I'm remembering right now, yeah. is Florence. That'll be his no, wife. That's his wife. Because when I said Florence, what I really meant was not Taft. Um... <laughs> Elizabeth.
1: I have no idea where Elizabeth has come from. That's daughter. Oh, yes, no, that Elizabeth. Oh, um, well, you're getting close, as in it will be a relative to Elizabeth. Carrie. No. Oh. (laughs) That was his first mistress that we know of, um, who he uh, put an end to before he went to the White House. We are talking about Nan Britton. Phoebe.
0: Oh, oh yes. No, it does say Nan Yeah, yeah, it does. I, I was thinking like Nana, like grandparent.
1: No, no, her name. Her name was Nan. Yeah, uh, if you remember, Harding had started to have an affair with his friend's daughter, who was thirty odd years junior to him. So wrong. There's a, a bit of wrong, uh, especially when uh, Nan has a child, and he just pretty much pretends that hasn't happened. So, uh, Harding goes into the White House with a secret love child and a mistress. And, obviously, his wife. When I say going into the White House, they're not literally going in together. This oh, more... that
0: would make dinner times very <laughs> awkward.
1: <laughs> well, Harding did get to have a, a chat to Nan before he became the president. He let her know that although he was going to be the president, there would still be time for, and I quote, intimate companionship.
0: So Filthy in the early 1900s, weren't they? Oh,
1: yes. Uh, Harding apparently had a plan. They'd still be able to do it. Uh, (laughs) According to Nan, soon after Harding became president, she visited the White House, and I'll quote her here, the President of the United States and his adoring sweetheart made love in a cupboard just off his personal office.
0: Oh, is that cupboard still there today?
1: Uh, No, because this... is gutted, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, no, this is in the West Wing, which, uh, Uh as we will see at some point... In the near future, has a, a bit of a fire problem. Oh. <laughs> yeah, uh, so lots of it is rebuilt. Um, I like to think the bomb cheeks are still there on the on the <laughs> plaster. Yeah, this is uh, quoted from Nan Britton's book that she released after Harding died, which went into all sorts of details. Uh, yeah. As I said last time, most historians have said that it's all a pack of lies Uh, but Hmm. the dna proves otherwise the child is definitely (laughs) hardings Um, so since she was telling the truth about the child uh, i think let's give her say what was going on so yeah yeah there's a very good chance they were quite literally carrying on the affair in the white house uh, quite possibly in the cupboards however uh, this seems to be a bit of a one-off for Harding at the start of the presidency, because finding time together now he was president was going to prove difficult. There's no doubt about that. Nan, upon visiting the White House another time early on in the presidency, saw a stenographer at work and remembered a half-promise from Harding one day that he would get her a job in the White House so she could be near. Uh, so she asked her lover if she could become his stenographer, But Harding replied that he would love to have her, but would end up giving her all his dictation, (laughs) if I can quote him, and uh, the work of the country would suffer otherwise. So she'd be too much of a distraction, sorry, I'd love you to be here, but no, I couldn't possibly. Uh, So instead, he gave her some money, told her to be careful about spending it so people wouldn't talk too much. And then assured her once again, which was regular, that he would love to look after their daughter. Maybe when I'm no longer president, of course. Anyway, off you go right. now, and off she went. A member of the Secret Service just <laughs> took her out the the back way of the White House and uh, ferried her off. So, with his affair sorted, Harding moves on to affairs of the state, uh, the country, as we covered. Nice segue. I was proud of that one. As covered in the end of Wilson's episode, uh, the country is a mess. The economy is suffering after the war. There's rioting in the streets. Lynchings were becoming disturbingly common, i.e. there was more than one. And the fight between workers and company owners was hotting up once more now that the war's over. So uh, things aren't great. In fact, the head of the Secret Service and admirer of President Wilson summed it up at the time. I will quote him... (laughs) The country was in a mess. <laughs> Wise words. They were, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, it was time to fix it. But where
0: to start? Sort out the workers first. Right, okay. So that'd be quicker. Rather than top down, don't for business, like, start little, then get them working again, they'll forget about it, then you got the rich people still making money. Okay, well. So I, c- I could be a Republican. Be
1: easy. <laughs> we'll see. We will see. Some hint had been given in Harding's inaugural address of what he was going to tackle first. Uh, incidentally, inaugural address, the first one ever to be electronically amplified. Ooh. So, this is the first inaugural address that we have covered in the entire podcast where the most common response was not, What did he say? Hey, what was <laughs> that? Speak up. Yeah, so there's none of that this time. Just lots of people going... Complaints. Turn (laughs) it down!
0: Who does he think he is?
1: Yeah. So, what did he say in his electronically amplified speech? Well, he made it very clear. America was not going to be drawn into the politics of the old world. No League of Nations. Remember, this was a big battle Mm. at the time. Wilson really wanted America in the League of Nations. Uh, A lot of people didn't. And Harding was one (laughs) of them. No League of Nations. However, if needed, America would fight again, was his message so we won't be in the league of nations but uh, we we won't be isolationist uh, we'll, we'll still be around yeah uh, he thanked the wounded veterans who had come back to the country in fact our quote here a generous country will never forget the services you rendered Aww. yeah you might want to make uh, a slight note of that so a generous right. country will never forget the services rendered that's that's a quote from President Harding for you. Right, never forget. Never, never forget. Generous country. Generous. Generous. He also talked about the economy. I'll quote him again. We need a rigid and yet sane economy, combined with fiscal justice, and it must be attended by individual prudence and thrift, which are so essential to this trying hour and reassuring for the future. Or in other words... Uh, I, I have no idea I mean it sounded good <laughs> though didn't it I mean that is just uh, words? Uh, it, it's words It's Words what sound good That's, yeah. That seems to me what that was Saying a lot without saying anything Yeah what the hell is a rigid yet sane economy Exactly Who knows but it's hard to argue with no yeah, one's it's like going making
0: to... America great again. Isn't yeah, exactly.
1: It? No one's going to start arguing for an insane economy, are they? Or a flaccid economy? Well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants an absolutely crazy flaccid economy. So there you go. Some more vague lines. This, like I said last time, this kind of stuff Harding was good at giving speeches that didn't really mean much but sounded good and people could cheer. A personal favorite line of mine in his inaugural address: "Our most dangerous tendency is to expect too much from government." And at the same time, do too little for it.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That could be read in numerous ways. Yeah. To mean pretty much anything you want it to mean.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's wonderfully vague. He's very talented, actually.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I do like the setting the expectations right at the start. Yeah. Become president, go out and announce to the world... Look, a lot of you tend to expect far too much from the government. (laughs) I'm just going to say that now. (laughs) Uh, He briefly mentioned the race issues, or rather he kind of talked around them, really. I'll quote him again. Ours is a constitutional freedom where the popular will is the law supreme and minorities are sacredly protected, which uh, I'm sure was news to a majority of the black population at the time but what? sacredly protected are we <sighs>
0: oh, ooh, how nice
1: anyway after a all right inaugural speech i suppose that didn't really say much he then set off to run the country with his cabinet uh, i've got a huge amount to say about his cabinet but a couple of people do stand out that we need to know about as jerry. the secretary of did you just say jerry you did didn't what? you no. Yes. no <laughs> I wouldn't do that. It's fine. I'm in charge of your audio. I will be able to edit out all the times you say, Jerry. All
0: right.
1: And now we record separately. I can edit your audio and not mine. I have full control. (laughs) So you can't just shout over me, it's not going to work. Anyway, as Secretary of the Treasury, he chose Andrew Mellon. Mellon is a great surname. Mellon was, by uh, many accounts, the second richest man in America, only behind Rockefeller. Mm. Mellon had inherited his father's successful banking business, and then went on to get fingers in pretty much all the pies in the Gilded Age. Shipping, steel, coal, whiskey, electronics... Construction oil etc 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 he just he was involved in it all and was raking it in a classic entrepreneur a full-on robber baron
0: yeah, all, all the air of that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> tomato tomato, yeah, <laughs> according to one historian, i quote. Harding shared in the popular American belief that a few great international figures controlled the economic destiny of the world. The thing was to employ one of them in the service of the nation and the result would be prosperity for all. So he's mega rich. uh, (laughs) So he must know what he's doing. So let's uh, get him in charge of finances of the country. I mean, it's, as you can see, the American dream pushed so hard in the Gilded Age is still going yeah. very strong. If, if you were rich, you must know how to run a country's government because you were rich. Well, it makes sense, yeah. It just obviously makes sense. So Mellon was put in charge of, of the Treasury. Uh, Another appointment to note was a man named Fall. Fall was put in charge of the Department of the Interior, essentially looking after the public lands and and natural resources found in the interior of the country. Fall isn't important to know right now, but he becomes arguably the most important figure in Harding's presidency. Sort of. So just know that he's there. He's going to come back. The last one to note is a man named Hoover. He became the Secretary of Commerce. Uh, I'm not going to talk about Hoover much at all this episode, But pop a box around him Because we will certainly be talking about him in the future Well, he is a very famous inventor Uh, Yes, yes he is Anyway, to ensure that the cabinet could function as well as possible Harding announced that all cabinet meetings were confidential and off the record I love a bit of transparency Oh, yeah. I, it's the best way to operate anything is to make sure no yeah. one finds out what we're actually talking about in this room. Because really then we can get trust. stuff done. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, according to Harding, that way his cabinet could actually speak their minds without being worried about what they said coming back to bite them later on. Well,
0: well that's not, uh, there, not it, inaccurate. There, there is, is a is logic a... there,
1: yeah, it's, yeah. Like you say, that's not inaccurate. But there was an argument to be had that perhaps that's not how a government should run. Mm. Open to abuse, shall we say.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, But at the same time, it did make for a uh, cabinet that trusted their president and vice versa, because they were able to just get the job done, as it were. Yeah. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Doesn't matter who we step on. No, exactly. Like you say, maybe some transparency issues there. However, if you remember, Harding is an ex-newspaper man. He spent most of his time running a newspaper. He knew the importance of the press. He knew the importance of perceived transparency. And uh, just like uh, Teddy Roosevelt before him, Harding realised exactly how to use the press. His meetings with them were frequent and friendly, and just like Teddy Roosevelt's, completely off the record. (laughs) Yeah Brilliant Uh, The reporters loved that they got all the inside details Harding would just chat away to them and tell them everything uh, Often leaving breadcrumbs to follow a different story If Harding wanted a story to be reported upon Nice And because the reporters got that It made up for the fact that they could only print what Harding explicitly said they could Obviously, hmm. this gave Harding a huge amount of control over what the press was saying. It, it worked well for him, just like it worked well with Teddy Roosevelt. It was a very yes. clever way of using the press.
0: He's playing the game, isn't he? I'm yeah, playing it's, it fully, well.
1: it, it's fully understanding the importance of on and off the record and what it can get you. Uh, something that certain presidents in recent times have not quite managed to get their head round. no. Yeah. So the uh, press meetings uh, became very popular, like I said, and in fact, eventually became so long that Harding introduced a question box. Uh, He would read the questions beforehand and then just give out answers as a a way to streamline the process. Uh, Some accused him of being unable to answer questions on the fly and criticised him for it, but uh, you get the impression this was more him just trying to use the press as efficiently as possible yeah however, pleasing the press, although important, did not solve the problems of the country. Uh, for that, Harding turned to his cabinet. What should we do? he asked. yep, yeah, that was pretty much the answer with the cabinet.
0: Ah, effective,
1: yeah, so come on, melon. <laughs> well, Harding sent them away and asked them to think on it. <laughs> it's like, seriously, this isn't rhetorical. Kinda need answers here. What are we gonna tackle? And and what goes on in the cabinet room stays in the cabinet room, so yeah. go wild with your, your your theories and your your solutions. There's there's no bad answers here. No. In the meantime, there was one thing Harding could do. It was probably about time that we end World War One, Harding thought. What with it being nineteen twenty one?
0: Yeah, probably a- good of- idea
1: yeah I mean he'd been reading the history books he could have sworn that World War I had definitely ended in the previous decade yeah it says so in this newspaper look yeah uh, so it's like we're still at war with Germany should we like end the war uh, yeah. so so he suggested to the Senate that perhaps they should end the war uh, which they did which is nice
0: there we well, go. they should have done it, because didn't Germany surrender? Or was it just like a, an official end to the well, war? Well, if
1: you remember, uh, the surrender was all wrapped around the peace talks, which was all wrapped around the League of Nations, which America then went,
0: no, uh-huh. not doing. Yes.
1: Yeah, right. so it's uh, it. slightly more complex than it was in Europe. What with uh, finally ending the war, something that I'm sure he was very proud of doing, he could probably <laughs> you know, put, put that Single-handedly. His... <laughs> put that on his tombstone. Um, Yeah, with that done, uh, let's turn to one of the more pressing problems, he thought, the economy. So what should we do about the economy, he asked his cabinet. Well, uh, Mellon had a suggestion here. Mellon suggested that the, you know, the taxes that had been really hiked up during the war, uh, we should really start to bring those down a lot, like a lot. So can we, like, really bring down those taxes? And damn it, also, he was a Republican. And if Republicans stood for one thing, it was tariffs. So let's start hiking the tariffs back up, shall we? We've not talked about tariffs enough recently, he said. No. Yeah, the hike in tariffs would offset the reduction in taxes and uh, would also help protect farmers who were struggling at the moment. Uh, That was his idea. Uh, Harding was less than convinced. In fact, I'll quote him. I can't make a damn thing out of this tax problem. I listen to one side and they seem right, and then God, I talk to the other side and they seem just as right. Yeah. Sorry. he didn't know what to yeah. do. So Harding, all due credit to him here, does a very rare act for a politician. Tells the truth. No, no, not that. And to be fair, many politicians tell the truth. It's just at a convenient uh, time.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very quietly under their breath.
1: He sought some expert advice. What? And let me be really clear here. He didn't seek an expert to agree with him. He genuinely sought an expert to learn from.
0: Wow. Yeah, I know. So, so we didn't get all the research and cherry pick the things that No, no, that he, f- he didn't agenda. make up his
1: mind and then just go, and f- no, no. He went to an expert and went, I don't think I know enough about this. Can you teach me some more? Wow. Yeah,
0: I know. That's a good couple of statesmanship points right there.
1: I'm genuinely impressed. After a long correspondence with a William Culbertson, uh, which is a good name, uh, a -hmm. man with a PhD in economics from Yale, Harding became convinced, just as McKinley had in the end, that the high tariffs ultimately did more harm than good. If the United States was going to be a global power, it needed to dominate the global market, something it cannot do behind a wall of tariffs. Mm. It's, like, it's, it's time to leave the tariffs behind, guys. They've served their purpose. We can't be the party of high tariffs anymore. No. Now, debate and arguing over what to do with the economy wrangled on for the next year or so. Uh, in the end, a compromise over tariffs was created, and as per usual with compromises in politics, it angered more than it brought together. <laughs> However, tariffs were just one part of the economy, because obviously taxes were the other part. And uh, Mellon, you'll be amazed to learn. You know, Mellon, second richest man in the country? Yeah. Uh, he had views on taxes. Oh, of course he did. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, tariffs, you can pretty much get the consumers to pay for those. But taxes, that's kind of down to, like... Him. Yeah. And, and he, he'd certainly had some views on taxes. So Mellon put forth the argument that if the government wanted to raise money, because obviously the government really needs to raise some money after the war, he's got a brilliant idea. What we need to do, ladies and gentlemen, to gain money yeah. is lower the taxes. Oh. <laughs> yeah. We, we saw a very similar argument from the Republicans over tariffs at one
0: point. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, now, obviously this sounds counterintuitive uh, but bear with me, he said if we lower the taxes people might actually start paying them instead of avoiding them yeah. because I know I certainly avoid them at the moment at far too high yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mellon had even found a study uh, that agreed with him that he'd paid for so we really should mm. lower the taxes uh, especially for the rich and that way we'll get more money More people have more money to spend as well Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Now, I'm being very flippant. Uh, There are genuinely strong economic arguments for lowering taxes to raise money. Uh, It has been argued by people who know far more about the economy than I do that this does work in certain cases. We've come across Roman emperors in the past. Julian, I believe, your favourite Suggested lowering taxes to raise money, and it worked for him in good. What an idiot. What What an an idiot. idiot. However, there's also a very strong argument to say that the rich people who are avoiding the taxes now, when you lower them, they're just going to carry on avoiding the taxes. It's really... Have a better tax collection system. Yeah, maybe actually just collect the taxes. Maybe we should start collecting the taxes. So to sum up, there were were arguments for, there were arguments against uh, lowering the taxes. And to cut a long story short, a very large tax cut for the rich was proposed. Oh, fantastic. Yes. Isn't that similar to what happened last year? Yes. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think it's technically the year before now. Uh, But yeah. yeah. It is a genuine economic theory. <laughs> Let the richest off as much as possible and it yeah. will trickle down to everyone else. So who who recommended this? Was it the rich advisor? It was, yes, it was the, rich the second richest member. man in, in the country. Yeah, right. It was, after all, the only way to help the struggling families.
0: Of course, yeah. Yeah.
1: Anyway... <laughs> uh, <laughs> All the arguments over the economy, however, hit a wall in the Senate because people didn't want to talk about the economy or tariffs or taxes. They wanted to talk about the veterans. Because widespread feeling had developed throughout the land that these shell-shocked, traumatised soldiers who had survived living hell in Europe fighting for their country should perhaps get something in return. Yeah. I mean, that was a really bad war. Maybe we should do a little bit for some, some of these guys coming back maybe a yeah. little bit uh, and many many agreed from all different levels uh, in fact many states had agreed to pay the troops a bonus but the capital was now under pressure to do so at a national level not just individual mm. states make make this like official nationally let's do this for everyone uh, the idea of bonuses like i said very popular throughout the country however harding had a problem it a would It would cost a fortune. Like, a serious (laughs) amount of money. So much so, him and Mellon had been having a chat, they wouldn't be able to afford the tax cut for the rich. Oh no! Which, obviously the tax cut for the rich was going to make money, honestly. Don't ask too closely why spending money somewhere else would stop him from being able to do something that apparently generates funds. Because if you ask Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. it doesn't make any sense at all. It
0: just makes it It, all confusing. So don't ask that question. The fact is,
1: if if we paid the troops a bonus... Uh, We we can't have the tax cut. And uh, Mellon, like I say, particularly not happy with the idea of giving soldiers a bonus when these tax cuts were on the line. Uh, He put the entire weight of the Treasury behind attempting to convince everyone in Washington that the bonus was simply too expensive. We can't do it. It's not clear how many Mellon convinced, uh, but he certainly convinced Harding. Uh, Who headed personally to the Senate himself as president? Being an ex senator meant he didn't need to be invited. He could just head over there. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, And he gave a speech. It would be, and I quote, a disaster to the nation's finances to give the bonus. Plus, no tax cut, guys. No tax cut. Uh, You'll be shocked to learn that the room full of incredibly rich men listened to that last part that was whispered. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, oh. so c- can you can you remember the uh, the quote from the start about the oh, country about never being a generous country? Gen- generous country was it? Never forgets. Never forgetting. Incredibly
0: right. okay. generous.
1: Progressives from both parties started to realise that this presidency wasn't going to be good for them. <laughs> this isn't looking good. No. Uh, however, many thought that the president had made some good points. Uh, The press also thought that the president argued very well with outstanding courage and patriotism. The press reported that. The papers owned by the really rich businessmen. So, uh, for now, the veteran bill was dead. No bonuses for the troops. I probably should, for impartiality's sake, point out that Harding did argue that we are already doing several things for the veterans. Uh, and some things were put in place for the veterans but it didn't amount to what the bonuses were Yeah would they got medals <laughs> there was some financial support but it just wasn't it just wasn't the same so that's the economy sorted out or at least The tax break for the rich is sorted, and what's what's the the difference? Uh, So what's the next problem, thought Harding? Oh yes, the workforce of the country. This is the one you mentioned. This is where you would have started. uh, They're still very angry about the fact that they were working all hours under the sun in dangerous conditions and were still struggling to feed their children. There had been a bit of a forced truce during the war, which I mentioned during Wilson's episode, between the workers and the company owners. If you remember, Wilson had essentially said... Stop arguing, or I will come and take over the companies and give the workers what they want. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Which the business owners went, oh dear. <laughs> okay, fine, yeah. uh, fine, fine. For the war, we will do this. Yeah. The companies reluctantly temporarily give in. Still, the war was over now. Surely it's time to put the workers back in their place. Now, on the other side, many workers in the country, and of course by workers I mean a majority of all Americans who lived in a city, well, they'd never had it quite so good. Uh, Don't get me wrong, things were still pretty bad, but the war had given them leverage, and conditions were starting to improve. Uh, And they were determined not to lose the ground gained. Yeah, fair enough. Now, due to this, anger started to flare up once more as the companies started to strip away all the rights that they'd gained during the war. Now, Harding, owner of a newspaper, remember, had certain views on unions and workforces, (laughs) Uh, he was more than happy for unions to exist. In fact, he had encouraged the one that had started up in his newspaper. A workers' union was a good thing. It showed that the the workforce were were united, they had a voice and uh, a say. Uh, However, however, (laughs) Harding had had no time for dangerous demagogues, uh, communists probably, you know, uh, who interfered (laughs) with uh, an American's right to work. In other words, Harding was more than happy for unions to exist as long as they did nothing to disrupt productivity, which is... Um. Kind of the only thing a union has. That's
0: the, yeah, that's their leverage.
1: Things were getting worse and 1922 saw two of the largest strikes in the country's history. To begin with, half a million coal miners put down their tools. Ooh. That's a big strike.
0: Yeah, especially when the country literally runs on coal as
1: well. Yeah. The coal mine owners, in an attempt to weaken the unions, had cut wages, blaming it on the economy. We can't possibly afford to pay you. Sorry, we've got to lower the wages and maybe let certain people go. The workers seeing this put down their tools. They also demanded a five-day week and a six-hour working day. Mining is a dangerous business Hard work Six hours is more than enough time to be down a mine yeah. In one shift The owners wanted to keep the six day working week And the eight hour day instead Oh, with reduced wages as well Everyone oh. has to take a pay cut oh. yeah. As you can imagine The disruption was widespread Harding, believing it was not the job of the president To get involved in private businesses uh, Tried to stay out of things but he also realised he was the president of a country that was grinding to a halt, so he had to do something. So he starts to work behind the scenes in an attempt to compromise. Uh, but then the Railway Labour Board approved a suggested 12% wage cut to all rail workers. That's a That's a painful pay cut. That uh, is. Around 400,000 railway workers went on strike. So we're talking <sighs> almost a million workers now. In total, if you combine these two strikes The coal and rail industries struggled on with replacement workers being drafted in And as you can imagine, violence starts to erupt as yeah. men started to cross picket lines uh, Just to add another level, by the way, into this wonderful, fun part of misery <laughs> uh, In many areas, black workers were not allowed in unions Oh... Or, if they were, had a lower rank within the union, based purely on the colour of their skin. So therefore, most black workers had very little incentive to join the strikes. They wouldn't gain anything from it. So therefore, most black workers would cross the picket lines because they needed to feed their families and they would get nothing from the strike. This led to lots more racial tension in a country that was already rife with racial tension. (sighs) all thanks to the fact that the racism to begin with made sure that black people weren't allowed in the unions. So that's a lovely spiral of hatred and racism for you right there. Anyway, that, that that's just a, a wonderful side note. Uh, Harding was still working on the coal problem. He threatened to take over the businesses to get the coal owners to meet him, just like Wilson had. Yeah. In a meeting with the head of the unions and the coal businesses, Harding suggested, and this was his grand idea... Everyone goes back to work under the current conditions, and I, as your president, will set up a a committee to to figure out what's fair. Hmm. The workers essentially laughed at this idea. What do you mean, what's fair? (laughs) Are you talking a committee like the rail board? No, thanks. You may not have noticed, but I mentioned the rail board a moment ago. The rail board were the ones who had decided on the 12% wage decrease. Yeah. Yeah, the rail board uh, was this committee stage for the rail. Uh, He... Mm. Harding was just proposing that that the coal industry have a board as well. Yeah. Well, the rail board wasn't working for the rail workers, so why would one work for the coal workers? Uh, No thanks was the reply from (laughs) the coal workers. Hell no. An angry Harding publicly thanked the coal mine owners for being responsive to an agreement and then wrote to governors of the states throughout the country assuring them that they would have federal support if they needed to, and I quote, maintain law and
0: order. Oh. Yeah. You can imagine that being written in capital letters as well, couldn't you? Yeah. Just law and order, exclamation mark. (laughs) So that's the coal strike. The rail
1: strike was a bit more complex, however. Uh, Like I say, there's already a governmental uh, board deciding what was fair, and it was their proposals that was being disputed. Uh, So Harding asked for them to look again, perhaps. Maybe have another look. Like, check no one, like, carried the decimal point or something. (laughs) Uh, the board suggested essentially, why don't we all pretend that this didn't happen and we just go back to how things were? Yeah. Could we do that? Can we hit a reset button here? Is that possible? Okay, uh, strike could. leaders would get to go back to work uh, and there would be no repercussions for them. In this case, it wasn't the workers, it was the owners rejected the idea. Huh. The business owners hated the idea of these uh union leaders who were just stirring up trouble, still being on their paycheck.
0: Too powerful.
1: Yeah. The cabinet could not decide what to do to end these strikes. The attorney general, the uh, aforementioned Doherty from last episode, he declared that all of these union leaders were dangerous communists and should all be thrown in jail. Oh... Harding could not help but feel that perhaps this would just escalate the situation. <laughs> somewhat if they start throwing people in jail for merely demanding better wages? Yeah. Uh, so may- maybe we'll put it on the list, Doherty, but maybe...
0: Yeah. Maybe eighth on the list.
1: Yeah. We'll after put it... killing them. <laughs> uh, Harding instead was convinced that an independent commission was definitely the only way forward. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah. Keep the can down the road. Definitely. Uh, Violence was getting worse. Uh, People were starting to be killed uh, for crossing picket lines or for striking. Uh, Violence on all sides here. Um, Some local government whose support varied for the strikes were refusing to prosecute the killers, depending on who they agreed with. Yeah. So, like, Murders were going unpunished because the people in charge of the law were saying, well, they were striking, so they deserved it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Harding, becoming desperate, fully considered just nationalising the railways and then breaking up the unions. In other words, destroying everything. Like, fine, this is why we can't have nice things, no one gets anything. (laughs) But it became clear that Congress would never allow that. That just wasn't viable. You, You can't just... Etch a sketch. This you, you've you've got to actually yeah. solve it. So in the end, in August of 1922, the president and several cabinet members, and also some prominent senators, boarded the presidential yacht and spent three days discussing the issue. We have no idea what they talked about. Oh, of course not. Because, to keep everyone safe, no record was kept. (laughs) However, it soon became clear what was discussed soon afterwards, or at least the broad strokes, because a plan was put in action to find that the strikes were illegal. Any evidence of the mail being delayed, destroyed, or whatever, was gathered. This made it a federal issue. These strikers were destroying federal mail, damn it. So the federal government needs to get involved. Then the Attorney General Doherty Declared that the strikes were conducting And I quote A conspiracy worthy of Lenin <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're, f- we're full on red scaring now Wow uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, With speed, injunctions were passed With the strikes illegal And the National Guard called out To enforce the illegality of the strikes The strikes was literally beaten down Wow uh, Harding got a bit of bad press for this But he, he defended himself the government is really doing nothing to enslave workmen. It is trying to maintain a state of freedom and security in which men may work as they choose to. So the average American man could now choose. Choose between working for very little pay or choosing not to work at all. So that's a nice choice hooray oh yeah it should be said obviously that not everyone was unhappy with uh, this move of breaking up strikes because of course if your business was being affected by the strikes you would have supported anything to end the strikes and this ended the oh, strikes yeah. so yeah okay it's not great for the the workers in the Coal mines or on the railways But my shop's been suffering And now I can actually run my business again So fine, whatever, as long as oh, it's yeah. finished So actually Harding didn't take too much A hit from this, but he certainly Did in some no. sectors The Attorney General, Doherty, however He was instrumental in most of this And this move was so unpopular with many He was actually impeached really? Yeah, A bill of impeachment was drawn up against him He defeated it, he'd survived it But yeah, yeah not great So there you go, strike sorted. That's number two, ticked off. Meanwhile, (laughs) in the White House, Harding was continuing his affair, obviously. Jerry! Well, Nan was... uh... Brought into the White House via back doors by the trusted secret serviceman uh, that was in charge of doing this. This was pretty much his job.
0: Ironically, he's named Jerry as well. Tim, actually. Oh, yeah. Tim. <laughs> uh,
1: if I remember that correctly, I've not written it down. Yeah, uh, Harding and Nan would talk briefly in his office uh, around things. Yeah,
0: private meeting, though.
1: Uh, well, um, no, it wasn't that private. Uh, Harding was uh, oh. nervous that... People could walk in. Uh, No intimate affairs took place, shall we say. Uh, As far as I can tell, apart from that very first time right at the start in a cupboard, uh, all meetings afterwards were just Nan coming along and them having a talk, a bit of a kiss and a cuddle when they thought no one was walking. However, and perhaps... Partly because of this and also for various other reasons, Nan at this time was very miserable. She felt very guilty about the fact that she had allowed her sister to adopt her daughter. She started to realise at this point that her future with Harding was going nowhere. I mean, she was infatuated by Harding, but this clearly isn't what I want, was her thoughts. No. Uh, So she told Harding that she was thinking of getting married. If she could get married, then she could get her daughter back. And, like, actually have a family life Rather than being shipped off to the White House Whenever Harding wanted, I don't know, a bit of flirtation Well, upon telling Harding this, Harding looked very upset And asked her if if she could love another man Uh, She replied, no, of course not Harding grabbed her hand and then told her that it would be And I quote, grossly unfair to the man for her to marry someone So a guilty Mm -hmm. nan promised Harding that she would never love anyone else but him uh, Nan's book's full of meetings like this uh, She would express yeah. her unhappiness And Harding would get her to promise That she loved him and no one else Then he would give her some money Tell her to be quiet with it And then send her on away, yet again Very controlling behaviour, isn't it? Oh, Incredibly It's, uh, it's uh, quite a disturbing read mm. Reading Nan's book uh, I didn't get time to read it cover to cover But I read everything During the time we're talking about here And it's not a pleasant read, let's just say that. One time she mentioned that she kept a diary, and Harding uh, freaked out slightly and made her promise that she would burn it as soon as she got home, uh, which she did so. However, she said that these meetings and these partings always, and I quote, stirred up the feeling of uncompleteness. So, uh, like
0: unfinished business.
1: Yeah, it's it's not... The affair's not going well. No. So that's going on in the background. Harding sends Nan on her way once more. Um, And what's next? Sorted the economy out. Sorted the strikes out. Uh, What else do we need to sort out? Oh yes, the race riots. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, at the start of the presidency, Harding had declared that the lynchings, they've, they've really got to stop, are, quote, barbaric and a stain on a free democracy, is how he put it. Yeah. They're just not on. He'd met with James Whedon Johnson, a leader at the NAACP. Thank you for listeners for getting in contact, pointing out that you don't say it NAACP. It's a <laughs> NAACP, which... Makes a lot of sense. That yeah. one was off the tongue better.
0: But how you said it is not inaccurate. It's not inaccurate, but it's certainly better to say N
1: double A C P. It, it just flows better. So you could say for that. Could say NAC, uh, <laughs> but again, that's, it doesn't really flow. <laughs> Harding and uh, James Johnson got on well. Uh, Harding was willing to formally admit uh, that peonage existed peonage, by the way. Uh, You come across peonage before? It's not Uh, just an amusing sounding word. uh, Sounds like a type of bird. Uh, No, it's not a type of bird. Peonage is when a debtor is forced to work off a debt until it was fully paid. Or in other words, slavery. Oh. Oh, yes. Uh, Harding had looked into this. Uh, and he and Doherty had made some inquiries and found that peonage, and I quote her, existed to a shocking extent in Georgia, Alabama, and in some parts of Texas.
0: Southern states. Yeah,
1: we that's right. We are in the nineteen twenties and still talking about debtors' prison and slavery. Bloody it's yeah. still happening. Yeah. In fact, I'll give you an example of peonage at the time. Uh, this is the story of uh, Martin Tabbert. Martin Tabbert was arrested for vagrancy. He was on a train without a ticket. A vagrant. So he was arrested. He wrote home to his parents, please send the money um, and something for me to get home. And his parents did so. They, they sent $50 along. <laughs> However, uh, the money disappeared in transit somehow. Uh. <laughs> Also, completely unrelated I'm sure, Uh, did I mention that the sheriff earned $20 for every criminal leased out to a company? Martin was sold to a lumber company. He couldn't pay for his train ticket, he was in debt, so therefore he was leased out, shall we say. He was sold to a lumber company. Angered by his treatment, Martin didn't fully comply. He wasn't pleased, understandably, so he was whipped to death. Bloody hell. Oh, yeah. Do you want to know the main reason why we know so much of Martin's story? Go on. Uh, Martin's white. Oh. Yeah, so the story was picked up by the New York World newspaper, and people were appalled. How
0: dare they could treat a human being that way. Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, it, It was picked up on in a big way. But obviously... A vast, vast majority of peons were black men in the South. Uh, There are reports of businesses organising men to go and round up vagrants, uh, anyone we can accuse of being vagrants, uh, handing them to the sheriff's department, and then the sheriff's department would immediately lease them back to the companies. So you've just got gangs of people paid by companies rounding people up and putting them into slavery. That is insane. Yeah. So that's going on. And Harding looked into it and found out, yes, I'll say the quote again, it existed to a shocking extent, i.e. it existed. So there you go. That's the president of the United States actually acknowledging that it existed, which is certainly more than Wilson was ever going to
0: do. Yeah. So that's good. So now he's acknowledged it, does he make any attempt to do anything? Well, as awful as the continuation of
1: slavery was, let's get to the lynchings first was oh. the, the thoughts. Yeah. Uh, let, let's get that sorted and then we'll move on to the fact that people are still being enslaved. Harding had been informed that there had been 3,436 confirmed lynchings in the past 20 years. And that's obviously just the confirmed ones. Yeah. Harding was determined to do something about it. So an anti-lynching bill was put together. Now, this been being worked on for a while. In fact, 20 years earlier, uh, one of the first black congressmen had come up with an anti-lynching bill, uh, but it had gone nowhere. Uh, But this one had been worked on behind the scenes for for a few years by people uh, working with uh, for the NAACP. Uh, They'd worked very hard to dispel the myth that most victims of lynchings were black rapists of white women. That was the, the myth that was put around at the time. Mm-hmm. The only reasons why lynchings are happening is because these are, these are rapists and they get what they deserve. So a lot of time and effort was put into demythifying yes. this. And sure enough, uh, after a lot of uh, academic work, it was discovered that no a vast majority of people lynched and never had been accused of any kind of sexual crime of course whatsoever yeah. no a vast majority of people lynched were simply lynched uh, because they were black uh, that's okay. not to say other people weren't lynched at all a large number of white people and chinese people were lynched as well but black people certainly got the vast majority of the lynchings
0: yeah
1: so uh, a man named leonidas dyer which is a damn good name um he represented a majority black district uh, so he was very passionate about this uh, and he introduced the anti-lynching bill uh, the bill was not to go after the murderers because there's already a law in place for that you're not <laughs> yeah. allowed to just kill people so instead uh, this was going to go after the people who were allowing it to take place It was aimed at the policemen, the politicians. For example, this bill said that anyone who could have prosecuted a lynching but had decided not to would have a sentence of five years in prison or $5,000 for a fine. Uh, So you've got to prosecute. Right. Also, the same fine or time in prison would be given to anyone who allowed the act to take place. This is aimed at the policeman who was standing by and watching. The county that the lynching took place in would automatically be fined $10,000 and the money would be given to the family. Wow. Yeah. That's good incentive. Uh, yeah, yeah. Be, these are good, strong incentives. Mm. You're going to get people starting to take lynchings a bit more seriously, Uh When these are put in place, Uh, Harding Fully approving of this bill uh, Headed to Birmingham, Alabama To give a speech on it It was a large, uh, mixed group Of people Uh, We're talking tens of thousands of people uh, Went to go and watch this speech Obviously a segregated audience In Birmingham, Alabama at the time uh, But still very much a mixed audience He spoke of uh, Economic equality between the races And really stressed That when he meant equal, he meant actual equality here. (laughs) Uh, In fact, I'll quote him, to the extent that I would mean if I spoke of equality of economic opportunity between members of the same race. He then went further and said, I would say, let the black man vote when he is fit to vote and prohibit the white man from voting when he is unfit. So, making it really clear, when he's talking equality, he means it. As you can imagine, the white section of the crowd... Were not best pleased They stood in a stony silence apparently Harding noticed this And pointed directly at them <laughs> Whether you like it or not Unless our democracy is a lie You must stand for that equality uh, That's tough speaking Yeah I, I, that's definitely I'm definitely impressed some, some good points for Harding there yeah. yeah he is Unlike the first two on the list You get the feeling <laughs> he is genuinely trying to sort something yeah. out here as we will see how successful things are. Oh, yeah. 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 But you get the impression Harding actually wants to do something. Of course, as hopeful as everything seems uh, The anti-lynching bill Just stalls in Congress uh, Southern Democrats filibusted The bill did not pass This is something we will see time and time again And we won't have time to cover every single time Up until the 1960s That an anti-lynching wow. bill attempts to pass Where it is just filibusted by Southern politicians, but it happens a lot Bloody hell, wow. uh, Yeah. Uh, so that's the bill to stop people Dying and being murdered yeah, it's 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 very hard to defend this. It, I'd say it's impossible. Uh, yeah. But I don't know, people just uh, chatted away about stuff. So there you go. Uh, still, Harding's done what he can in that area. And uh, more personal things are starting to occupy him t- his time. Uh, Florence's floating kidney was causing problems once more. I remember, remember that. Remember
0: she had a floating kidney? Yeah, it's just above uh, her left ear, isn't it? Just hovering.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's uh, They put a little lead on it and everything. but oh. Yeah, she became severely ill. People started to fear she was about to die. Like, seriously, death's door kind of ill. Yeah. Um, so it was around this time that Harding arranged to meet with Nan once more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jerry uh, wants to hint- say hi. Well, hinting that there's a very good chance that he'd be able to actually spend the night with her. Uh, yeah. Because uh, Florence will be busy. What a son of a... Yeah. Nan, in her book, gives a very detailed account of the meeting between them at this time. Like, this runs on for pages, the whole conversation that goes between them, which perhaps makes it a bit dubious since she wrote it several years after this meeting took place. But... I imagine the gist is roughly correct A few months previously Harding had written to Nan Telling her that he was very disappointed Having not been with her intimately Since the start of his presidency Uh, He had sent her $250 for her to buy her own Christmas present Again Uh with the warnings of not being too flashy Nan had spent it on jewels for herself and toys for their daughter Mm -hmm. Um, Like I say Harding then wrote to Nan to say Yeah I'm, I'm gonna have a bit of free time I won't be being watched quite as much. Nudge, nudge. Wink, wink. So Nan got the message. Uh, She went out and uh, purchased herself some nice fancy clothing and then headed to Washington, fully expecting to be able to spend the night. However, when she got there, she found a very despondent Harding. Uh, Nan reports that Harding uh, had a full-on cold at this time. Uh, But if you actually look into it, it's possibly more likely that Harding is just incredibly stressed. He's really suffering. Uh, Florence is on death's door. Uh, There is a good chance that he wrote to Nan saying I might be able to have some spare time before Florence got really ill and he is now actually genuinely really worried about his wife. Mm -hmm. And there's some other things going on in the background that we'll talk about in a bit that might be worrying Harding as well. Let's just say Harding's a bit stressed. Well that's to make it hard for Jerry as well. Well, well it certainly is. As you wouldn't it? at all. Yeah.
0: But...
1: <laughs> Nan seeing that Harding wasn't himself, puts aside her disappointment that it's obvious she's not staying the night and tells Harding he should get away from the presidency. He should just leave. He's clearly miserable. Harding apparently replied, No, I'm in jail and I cannot get out. Oh I've gotta yeah. bear
0: this, I've got to do it. Yeah.
1: Uh, He talked about how Nan must not cause any reason for people to suspect them a bit more. This was obviously a common uh, theme between the two of them when they talked. Uh, But this time Nan got very angered. She'd come all the way to Washington expecting a lot more than what she was getting, which was just warnings of secrecy. So she starts to raise her voice that she was not being treated well, saying there have lived some men who would give up everything for their sweethearts. Harding apparently uh, replied, Nan, I'm tired and I can do no more. You must help me. Our secret must not come out. I would rather die than disappoint my party. That's... Apparently... Nan took this very well and really? uh, cheered up. Yeah, um, yeah. I full on infatuation with Harding. She is miserable really? with the uh, the. Relationship because it's an awful relationship, yeah. um, but she is infatuated and think he thinks he can do no wrong is how it comes across. Oh, he's doing uh, anyway, wrong. <laughs> well, uh, the two of them uh, do lots of hugging, and kissing that we don't really know, need to go into. Uh, but yeah, they did that. Apparently, uh, Mister Harding was in knickers, and I told him for the dozenth time how stunning he looked. Is uh, one of the better quotes from the the passage. He was in. Yeah, I I looked it up. Uh, (laughs) Uh, That's a Google search and a half. (laughs) I mean, knickers as in knickerbockers, as in, like, three-quarter length trousers. I'm I'm guessing I'm just struggling to imagine Harding wearing three-quarter length trousers. Um, Or or lacy underwear. Or lacy underwear, for that matter. Uh, But apparently he looks stunning. Uh, You can judge for yourself when we come to a canvas ability. Mm Uh, anyway, they make up, they talk. Harding did the usual telling her how after the presidency he definitely will look after their daughter, but he can't right now. Hmm. Um, and they parted with the usual goodbye when Harding would say, Are you happy now, dearie? And as per usual, Nan would reply, I am happy, sweetheart. Uh, and then usually say something along the lines of, I lied. Because she was miserable. Yeah. And the two never saw each other again. That was the last time they saw each other. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's probably for uh, the best. <laughs> <laughs> so, why is Harding so stressed? Well, uh, the economy. It's not that. The economy's recovering. Yeah. Well done, Harding. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, boom and bust economy. Doing its stuff. It's mm. booming. It's busting. So, it's on the up at the moment. So, things are starting to look good. Hooray. Um... So it's not that. However, uh, it had come to Harding's attention that Forbes, the head of the Veteran Bureau, was wringing the government dry. Yeah, uh, Forbes had uh, come up with a scheme. The country was full of warehouses and army surpluses after the war. Yeah. We're not talking arms here, we're talking things like towels, soap. Clothing. Yeah. Harding, slight tangent here, early on in his presidency had really pushed for a more common sense approach to government spending. One way the government could save money was for governmental departments to be more sensible. So the Bureau of Budget was created to deal with this, headed by a man named Dawes. Uh, Dawes oversaw the governmental departments giving speeches on pointless waste He literally went from department to department giving speeches on how they need to stop wasting so much money Uh, He would take two identical brooms with him and recount the story that the army had 350,000 spare brooms that were not being used that looked like this and he held up one broom Uh, The navy, however, needed 18,000 brooms that looked like this and, and would hold up the other identical broom and then he would point out that the army brooms were wrapped in twine instead of wire, so according to an obscure rule, the Navy would not accept them. So went out and purchased brand new ones. Now, I couldn't find out whether this story is true or not, but if it is, It's not going to be stupidity, this is going to be more the fact that there was obviously an important man in the broom industry with friends in high places. This is obviously a deliberate, let's make money. This is typical Gilded Age stuff This is, that's just still continuing on. Harding wanted to crack down on stuff like this. Anyway, back to Forbes and the army surplus. Well, Forbes had obviously been listening to the idea of common sense finances. He looked at all these warehouses full of surplus, doing nothing but costing money to store. Well, common sense then, let's sell them. Mm. But who to? Well, there were many options, uh, so he might as well sell them to the people who showed the most interest, shall we say. Right. Yeah. So he started taking huge bribes To uh, deliver contracts for selling off army surplus Harding got word of this And ordered Forbes to explain himself Forbes denied everything No, I'm not doing that Bribes? What? <laughs> army surplus? Well, I don't, what, don't know what you're talking about <laughs> Harding made him promise not to sell any more Of the army surplus and Forbes agreed to do so And then carried on doing exactly what he was doing before Taking bribes and selling uh, Harding found out once more The president was utterly livid this time, and once more ordered Forbes to meet him. Uh, One story of this meeting has a reporter walking in on the room, as Harding had Forbes by the throat, and I quote, as a dog would a rat, screaming, you double-crossing... I'll bleep that out. (laughs) Harding told Forbes that he was fired. That's it, you gotta go. Uh, Forbes begged to to resign Can I resign and can I resign when I'm in Europe because I'm due to go to Europe Let me leave the city and then I'll resign So I don't have to deal with the fallout Uh, Harding agreed fine As long as you're out just get out The city and resign So that happens but obviously I mean a politician Resigns everyone knows what happens Soon words out Forbes had been forced Out for being into something dodgy No one knew quite what but something dodgy Had gone on Hmm. and then One of Forbes' accomplices in the veteran Bureau because obviously he wasn't doing this on his own. No. Uh, this was a man named Kramer. He shot himself in front of a bathroom mirror. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kramer and Forbes were known to be close. Forbes had been fired and rushed off to Europe, and uh, Kramer was found dead in his bathroom. As you can imagine, the rumor
0: mill starts up quite a bit. I think it's more shocking the fact that Kramer wasn't even holding a gun at the time. That's the most amazing thing. And he shot himself in the back of the head. It's incredible.
1: <laughs> to be fair, it was the temple and it really does seem like a case of suicide. And he tied his hands
0: that... up to the chair and everything. It was just
1: amazing i he'd done it. <laughs> Well, uh, the scandals were only just beginning, however. Uh, The next one to trouble the president was the actions of his friend in the attorney general's office, Doherty. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or rather, the actions of Doherty's close friend, Uh, perhaps boyfriend. They were very close, um, but it's just not clear and impossible to tell through history. But all we need to know is that the two were, were very close. And this is a man named Smith. So there's no way Smith was doing something and Doherty didn't know about it. Yeah. Uh, Smith was Doherty's personal secretary They lived together and Smith basically did anything that Doherty needed doing In a kind of don't ask, don't tell, nudge, nudge kind of way Occasionally the Attorney General needs to uh, crease some wheels, needs to get some favours done And occasionally yeah. someone needs to just go and make sure something happens And, I mean, we all know that the best form of government is the form of government where everything's done behind closed doors and no one keeps records. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's that kind of thing. Right. Uh, Anyway, Smith, with high up connections, I mean, he'd often play cards with cabinet members and even the president himself. Uh, Smith soon realized that he could use his talents and his connections not just for Doherty, but also for himself. So he started selling government alcohol to bootleggers. Remember alcohol, uh, the selling of alcohol is now banned. You can't do it. Yeah. But there's obviously a lot of alcohol around. Of course, yeah. And um, some of it just happened to belong to the government and some of that happened to disappear. We'll we'll take Uh, care of (laughs) that Caffrey for you. (laughs) Yeah. Some some special licences happened to to exchange hands. Uh, Some arrangements for paroles. Yeah. also just just occurred as they do Slip across desks and... government fixes shall we say uh yeah smith smith became a fixer uh very much an illegal one and uh harding found out oh what his friend's friend was up to and made it very clear this needs to stop because if this comes out this will be very damaging i play cards with the man this isn't a good look uh, however, Doherty then arranged for Smith to be on the upcoming trip to Alaska that Harding and he was going on. Harding found out and went, no, 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 I, I want rid of him. Yeah, <laughs> Can't come on a trip with me, he's up to all sorts. Uh, so, that, that, no, it just can't happen. Doherty, however, was really worried that Smith was suicidal. Uh, for various reasons that we don't really have time to go into, for personal finance reasons, health reasons. Yeah. But yes, yeah, Smith was not in the best way at this time. Mm. And then he found out that the president wanted him nowhere near Washington anymore. Uh, Doherty was so worried that he, he asked a friend to stay with Smith overnight just to make sure nothing happened.
0: He doesn't tie himself up to a chair and shoot himself off the back of the head.
1: Yeah. Ten weeks after the death of Kramer, at 6.30 in the morning, the body of Smith was found in his apartment, his head in a paper bin. He had been shot in the temple. Oh. Yeah. Why was his head in a paper bin? He probably, more than likely, shot himself, fell over, and fell in the bin. See, that obviously... amazing party
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Obviously... That doesn't make for as good as a story as uh, the rampant conspiracy theories that started to go wild. Mm. Two suicides? One with a, a bin on his head? No way. Obviously something sinister's going on. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the truth of the matter is almost certainly that uh, two men fearing being caught up in large governmental scandals uh, had just been driven to suicide, which is tragic and often as... Uh, yeah as it is without embellishing it, uh, but there were certainly people at the time who reached for a bigger story there. Yeah. Anyway, thing, things not looking good for Harding mm-hmm. around this time. But this is not the scandal that Harding is remembered for. Because during this time, the two suicides and the people just ripping off the government, uh, some very, very boring investigations were taking place looking into the Department of the Interior. In Wyoming, there was a rock formation... This rock formation looks a little bit like a teapot. This teapot sits on a dome-shaped hill that happens to be full of oil. And this hill happened to be on government land. Right. In 1912, Taft had made this oil part of the government's oil reserves. This is officially government oil. Right. It's for the Navy. We keep it in the ground where it is, but it's Navy oil. Yeah. Uh, Under Harding, the... Teapot Dome Reserve, as it became known uh, Came under the protection of the Department of the Interior But Navy don't need to deal with this yeah. It's like, you can have it, it's in the interior of the country You can have it, look after that uh, Now, some scandals are very hard to follow and full of details And I have to really skirt over them uh, But this one's really quite straightforward uh, Fall was the Secretary of the Interior, if you remember yeah. And he realised he was sitting on a gold mine or, or, more literally, an oil field. Mm. Uh, so he offered to lease the oil site, along with a couple of others, to a couple of oil companies. No bidding took place. It was all done very quiet. <laughs> now, none of this is illegal, but it's all very suspicious. Right. The land that the oil companies were taking was land adjacent to the reserve, Right. that was still under protection of the Department of the Interior. Yeah. It just happened to be very close to the government oil <laughs> Reserve. Yeah. So nothing wrong had happened, but it is a bit suspicious. Why are you doing that for? Yeah. It's so suspicious that when the Senate found out about this, an investigation was put into place. Uh, so just know that that's going on in the background. Nothing happens yet but there's a boring Senate investigation going on. Harding, however, is on a trip. He's off to Alaska. Hooray. Harding was very much looking forward to being the first president to step foot in Alaska. Yeah. yeah. That's exciting. Uh, how, however... His health was suffering quite a bit. It's the cold weather in Alaska. Uh, Well, it's before he gets there. Yeah, yeah. not only is there all the stress of him trying to keep all these various scandals under wraps, his affair under wraps, the fact that his wife is on death's door, and the fact that the country is falling apart at the seams. I mean, there's all that going on. But he's also had a bad bout of the flu. Like a seriously bad bout of the flu. As in... the global pandemic's still knocking around, kind oh, of out of the flu. That's, yeah, that's I mean, pretty bad. We, we've moved on a couple of years, but obviously you've still got some serious flu strains going around. So, yeah, he, he gets seriously ill. Harding reluctantly ordered that events on the trip be stripped down to the bare bones. However, most were still worried about Florence's health. Yeah, the presence in a bad way, but Florence is. It's, I really don't think she should be coming on this trip, was the opinion of the doctor. <laughs> uh, this is Dr. Sawyer. So much did he think that Florence should not be going on this trip that, unknown to either Florence or Harding, Dr. Sawyer ordered that a coffin go with them oh, just in case it's needed. That's not a good sign, is it? <laughs> it's not a good sign if you pack in a coffin on your holiday. Yeah, you,
0: that's, that's a very negative outlook. <laughs> It really is. And imagine trying yeah. to get holiday insurance. Like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagining
1: Harding and Florence watching the coffin being packed onto the train. It's, it's, was, was,
0: that a, was that a coffin? It's coffin shaped. Did you Surely order a coffin?
1: not. I didn't order a coffin. I felt a bit peaky recently. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, they set off. Harding seemed to get a bit better when they travelled. Well, he had incentive to, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, he, in particular, enjoyed himself in Yellowstone, where he spent a long time with a group of very attractive young women who wanted to see him, apparently. Ah. Uh, a very irritated Florence snapped at her husband afterwards. Warren, I watched while those young girls were here. You took as long to say goodbye to those girls as it did for you to run through 3,000 tourists yesterday at the Old Faithful. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> And I'm not yeah. an idiot,
0: I know exactly what Jerry is. <laughs>
1: Yeah, anyway, they travelled to the East Coast and they sailed off to Alaska. The trip went well enough, considering uh, the two of them were apparently at death's door. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, both of them seem to perk up a little bit for a while. However, Harding starts to suffer a bit more as the trip goes on. Uh, In fact, by the time they're travelling south again and they've reached San Francisco, Harding is only just able to walk from the train to the car waiting for him oh, no. to take him to the hotel. The doctor wanted a wheelchair to be used, but Harding refused. Okay. One of the doctors, because many were on site by this point, it's very obvious that something is wrong with Harding. So one of the doctors examined him. Not, not great news. There was a problem with Harding's heart. It was suspected that he'd actually had a heart attack oh. uh, when he'd had the flu without realising it. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> in fact... Dr. Wilbur said to uh, Secretary Hoover that the president's chances were perhaps one in ten. Ooh. Yeah,
0: not great. Well, I'm, However, not gonna say, I'm not going to say it's bad news, Mr. President, but you do still have that coffin, don't you? <laughs> Good news. I, I'm a kind of glass one tenth full kind
1: of guy, so <laughs> who knows? <laughs> None of my other patients uh, complain. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> nine out of ten don't. <laughs> uh,
1: well, actually, I mean, maybe Harding should have been positive because he starts to show signs of recovery. Uh, Good. In fact, so much that the same doctor turned his odds to nine in ten. Yeah, I really hope he didn't gamble much this doctor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, Harding, in fact, was well enough to talk to a friend on the phone to tell him, don't worry, I am out of the woods. Turns out he wasn't out of the woods. Oh. He was very much in the middle of the woods, oh. dark, dark woods, because he died that night really? on a stroke. Yeah,
0: that was sudden. Yeah, probably what he, he just dies.
1: Yeah, uh, this uh, shocked the country. Uh, America mourned for the president. His popularity hit an all-time high. Uh, for a hmm. while, people talked about Harding, comparing him to Lincoln, the Great Unifier. Uh, mm. However, <laughs> this uh, honeymoon period, if you can call the period after you've just died a honeymoon, <laughs> uh, mm. it didn't last long for Harding because you know all the crap that he was desperately trying to keep under wraps throughout his uh, entire presidency. Did it, news Yeah. Oh, very much so. Yes, okay. the, the, the scandals start just splurging. If we can continue, that yeah. sound effect, uh, yeah. just splurges out. They do yeah. uh, to begin with. Exactly what Forbes had been up to uh, came out. Uh, no one realised it was quite that bad. <laughs> it's like, oh, that oh. that's like, like serious bribery. Uh, that's that's. That, that is quite uh,
0: that's illegal,
1: not, sir. Yeah, that's not slap of the wrist stuff. That's why wasn't he arrested and thrown in jail? Kind of. Yeah. Why why did Harding let him go off to Europe and just retire? Oh, uh, and then details on on Smith and Doherty came out. Uh, Doherty uh, managed to get away with it just about. But uh, everyone knew what he was up to. And then, a few weeks after Harding's death, a Senate hearing that was scheduled to take place took place. No one was paying much attention. It was just one of those boring investigations, something to do with the tea dome lease. Uh, after some investigation, however, it had been noticed that Secretary Fall had a ranch. A failing ranch, or rather, it was a failing ranch, because now it suddenly seemed to be doing really, really well. Where's all this money come from, Fall? People started to ask. Yeah, Yeah, it all came out. Fall had been taking large bribes from oil companies and selling off government reserves. That, again, is, is, you could argue, on the illegal side of the legal spectrum. Very, very, very much so. In (laughs) fact, the T-Dome scandal became the Watergate of the age. T-Dome scandal was... The byword for a scandal until Watergate came along. T dome. Yeah. T dome, yeah. This one was big in the world of scandals. Oh, uh, no gate. No. no. It's a shame. I'd quite like it if all our scandals had dome on the end. Yeah. Or T, the word T in it would be good. Yeah, tea's Instead of a good gate. Boy, good. Yeah. But anyway, so that comes out Um, It becomes very clear that Harding's government was just utterly, utterly corrupt (laughs) (laughs) Then, (laughs) uh, Nan Britton releases a book Splendid Nan was devastated, uh, utterly devastated, like I say Completely infatuated with Harding Not only that, Harding had promised her that when he was no longer president They would be together and he would look after their daughter Will be a family. Oh.
0: Yeah, yeah did, and she he?
1: she believed him. Mm. Yeah, and still believed him, and saw no future for herself, and thought the only way I can get anything for my daughter and myself now is by going public. So she did a tell-all book, the first in history, Mm. for presidents anyway. As I mentioned in the last episode, Scandalicious, I think, is the way to describe Mm. uh, the book as it hit Washington. Um, And uh, as I've also mentioned, uh, it didn't actually work out for Nan Britton, unfortunately. She was called very many names and died believing that no one would ever believe her. But enough people believed some of the stories that Harding's name... Went down even further in estimation. Then, 40 years after his death, the Jerry letters were discovered yeah. and hastily sealed by a judge, only to be opened recently. Yeah. So, we've discovered them. So, Harding's reputation after his death nose pointed towards ground and just plowed into it
0: <laughs> and kept on going.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, so, there you go. That is President Harding. Oh
0: dear. Oh yeah. dear. Oh, dear. Oh,
1: dear. Should we rate him? Try.
0: State's State's shit. Shit.
1: Okay, it's quite a bit to say in this section actually. You can very easily argue the country is in a better place when his presidency ended than when he started. However, it wasn't a complete mess when he started, it was a low base level he was working from <laughs> yeah. here. Uh, and it was still a mess when he died, just slightly less of a one. Mm. A couple of things I didn't mention in the narrative, though, that might help you judge him. Harding was instrumental in a push for uh, countries to enter a disarmament pact post-World War. Mm. Uh, The idea was for Britain, the United States and Japan to agree to reduce their navies in line with each other quite significantly. Several treaties were signed uh, in a summit between various countries and those treaties were kept over the next few years. Uh, that you can argue helped promote world peace. Yeah. Uh, although the Great Depression would hinder them from carrying on as we move into the 30s. But yeah, there, there was a, a genuine push from Harding to try and get everyone just to chill out a bit after the war. Now, considering he ran on a campaign of not being in the League of Nations, this was him saying, no, we're not going to shut ourselves off from the world. We just don't want to be part of the League of Nations. So, there's that. Another positive This one, uh, not in the main narrative. Harding was opposed to the continuing invasion of Central and Southern American countries in the name of protection. Uh, Colombia was paid $25 million as a kind of sorry for the whole invading and taking Panama thing that we did a while ago. Mm. Wasn't put like that, obviously. Um, But that's what it was. Uh, It was also, it should be pointed out, under the condition that Colombia formally recognised Panama. So it's like, yeah, well, yeah. Colombia stopped moaning that we invaded you, and we'll give you some cash. <laughs> Colombia went, yeah, okay, then uh several Southern American countries wanted the United States to formally renounce interventionalism, mm. so I like, stop, stop messing about with our economies and taking us over, please yeah, uh America weren't quite willing to do this, but <laughs> we'll Harding see. wanted to distance himself from Wilson's interventionalism, yeah, but you never know what the future might hold. Uh, so I'm then not going to go so as to actually... Yeah, I'm not going to actually denounce it. I'm just going to say I wouldn't have done it if I was Wilson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he attempted to do something on the race issue, which we did cover. Uh, not a huge amount. Um, and also, it didn't work. But it is better than we've seen by many presidents. It's certainly better than what Wilson did, which was just to stoke it. Yes. So... Uh, A little bit of credit there. Mm. I mean, it's nice that Harding wasn't a massive racist. Yes. So anyway, mixed bag there, but some positives, but there are some definite negatives. In one of his first acts, Harding signed the Percentum Act. Uh, This was a heavy, heavy restriction on immigration. It wasn't a complete blanket ban on immigration however because if you were the right sort of foreigner you were welcome this is
0: a bit like the if you can add to our economy
1: if by mean if you can add to our economy by having white skin then yes <laughs> oh, oh yeah i mean not quite as cut and dry as that uh, in this case if you were irish or german in particular come on in generally western europe that's fine. Uh, if you're from Africa or Eastern Europe, however, no, 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 definitely not. Huh. Uh, just, just don't even think about it. Uh, so, yeah, in other words, if you're black or seem vaguely communist, you are not welcome. Right. The veterans bonus that we talked about, remember? What, what was the quote?
0: Oh. Attorney oh. Generous or... T- yeah, uh, Generous Nation uh, Never Generous forgets. Nation,
1: yeah, yeah uh, If you remember, Harding uh, pushed for it not to go through uh, And succeeded But then it came back And it did go through It passed That's nice, isn't it? Yeah Harding vetoed it
0: Oh, yeah I was waiting for the however
1: that was... The veto stuck That did not make him popular The economy is much stronger than when he started But he had completely screwed over most of the country's workforce to get there As per usual, uh, using the economy as a barometer of how good the country's doing is very dubious at best. Just because Mellon was pleased with his rich companies does not mean that Steve and Jill were living in a happier, better country at all. And in fact, most people were struggling just as much, even if the economy was technically better. You've only got to benefit living in the richest country in the world if you're one of the rich.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like that, it's that weird, um, I mean, I don't make it too modern politically even though we are in the modern times now. Um, The the whole, the obsession with stock markets and the stocks are really up. It's really great for the country. It's like, but is it good for... Jeff living in Wisconsin? Probably not. I saw it recently
1: described as the graph of rich man's feelings, which I thought was an amazing <laughs> way to describe yeah. the stock exchange. <laughs> I'm to get it, actually. I like that. Yes, yeah, very much so. Uh, I mean, that's not to say the economy is not important. Of course, the economy is yeah. important. But just saying the economy was stronger at the end of Harding's presidency, so therefore he was a good president, is a weak argument. Mm. But it is one I have seen uh, in, in a few places. Yeah. And then obviously, We've got the, the, the big thing uh, It's the scandals uh, These are these are corrupt government scandals He presided over an incredibly corrupt cabinet mm. uh, Historians that I've read Very much give him a pass on this He didn't know about them And when he found out about them He tried to do something about it But uh, I'm sorry I'm sure someone said the book stops with the president Surely It's the kind of thing okay. a president would say, isn't oh, it? Yeah, surely Yeah, yeah <laughs> Harding starting off the presidency saying We keep everything behind closed doors Don't ask, don't tell That way we can just get things done Uh, What did he expect? That's just a green light to corruption And everyone in his cabinet went away And corrupted away until their little hearts were content It's what happens when you don't have a transparent government Mm, So yeah, I'm not giving him a pass at all On the corruption
0: absolutely not he created an environment where it was rife
1: yeah we're very much out of the gilded age apparently Mm. this is very much seen as the progressive age I am still seeing it it seems very gilded to me still it doesn't seem to have changed that much in
0: my eyes I'm not seeing anything progressive other than the dipping toe in as in, this is the way it should go. There is some toe-dippage, and there is some progress on workers'
1: rights. Obviously, women now have the vote. That's a biggie. Mm. Yeah, there are, there are definitely some progressive things happening, but it still mm. seems very gilded. Yeah. Anyway, right, we've talked around this for a while. Score? Three. go going that low, right? Mm. So am I. It's, yeah. it's bad. <laughs> Interestingly, the, uh, the main biography I used to do the research... Very pro-Harding, very much a revisionist, saying everyone has seen Harding as useless throughout history, but he's been viewed harshly, and this is why. And some good points were made, but no, I'm sorry. He was not a good president. (laughs) Not good enough. He just wasn't. Right, we're on to the next one.
0: Wow.
1: (laughs) It's it's not good, is it? It, Oh, yeah. Well, let's start with uh, the affair with Carrie. Uh, gets us the frankly hilarious letters And the mentions of Jerry I mean that that's just That's just some good old fashioned
0: It's almost hilarious It's not yeah. scandalous at oh, all, it's awful Just that's funny <laughs> You got caught out and it's hilarious See interestingly, it's stuff like this That in our Roman
1: series we award positive points for In the equivalent opprobrium crazy round. I'm not convinced we can give him negative points Or at least too many for, for that And, in fact, it seems almost mean since he gave us a few chuckles. That said, (laughs) (laughs) there were also hints that Carrie certainly wasn't the only woman he was seeing at the time. He seems to be a full-on womanizer. Not great, but, again, we've certainly seen worse in this round. Yes. But then things start to really take a bit more of a, a dodgy turn when we get to Nan. A young woman... 30 years his junior. The affair with Carrie and Jerry is the one that always gets mentioned because it's the humorous story. So that's the reason why we yeah. spent so long talking about it. Of yeah. course we're going to talk about it. It's the good. kind of stuff that makes looking into history good. If we can't talk about funny things like Jerry, then what's the point? Yeah. However, the affair with Nan is where you get the sense of who Harding was actually like as a person. He was an emotionally abusive womanizer. Yeah. Like I said in the main episode, reading Nan Britton's book is painful. Uh, It's full of him stringing along a young, infatuated woman with lies of a better future whilst paying her off with money and a promise to look after their daughter, who he never had any intention of ever seeing. It is clear that Nan fully believed, even after his death, that Harding fully wanted to leave his wife for her, and it's just simply not true. Uh,
0: Yeah, there's no way.
1: Yeah, Harding is known for the Teapot Dome scandal. uh, A scandal he probably didn't know the details of. He is also known for the Jerry letters, but I think if we're going to judge him as a person in this round, it's the way he treated Britton. Horribly. Horribly, yeah. He was just a nasty, manipulative man. That said we've seen worse because we've had nasty horrible manipulative men before yeah. who were also advocating genocide
0: so I don't think we can go into the full mark territory no but this this is a conversation we'll need to have at some point because there's no like, like okay for example when we get to Trump yeah. um, you know he's not a slave owner he's not But I think what you can say
1: is we have a sense in today's, in modern society, that things are somehow better now. Mm. And you can't judge the past by moral standards of today because we've somehow got better.
0: We're now enlightened. (laughs) Enlightened. I would
1: argue that's not true at all. I think we can judge the more modern presidents for not having slavery and advocating genocide because they didn't have slavery and advocate genocide. And I think we can find very modern presidents that border on advocating genocide and yeah. judge them just as harshly as the old ones. They
0: legally can't
1: do it. We've had this conversation a few times and mm. I'm sticking with it. I'm saying judge the old ones and the new ones alike. They're all human beings. Yeah. They all knew that what they were saying harmed other people. Yeah. How they justified it to themselves is irrelevant. That's, pretty, so, yeah, um, that's,
0: that's a, fair, a fair summation, yeah. I think.
1: So, there's nothing upper score here for me because it is a singular event but it is not nice. Harding does not come across as a nice person no. uh, at all.
0: Uh, I'm going to go 5. Yeah, I was, I was thinking minus 5 or minus 6, so I'll match your 5, I mean. So that's minus 10 for Disgrace Game. Mm-hmm.
1: Silver screen. Born to a pair of parents, attempting to become medical doctors, uh, got into the publishing business Became a printer's devil. Remember, he a young whippersnapper of a boy. Yeah. Got an apprenticeship. Went to college, did well enough, bought a newspaper, made something of the newspaper, became popular in the town of Marion. Uh, and then the story of how he got together with Florence is just brilliant. Oh,
0: with the rich uh, His awful
1: guy and... father-in-law, yeah. uh, Amos Kling, uh, the almost Romeo and Juliet parallels of the Forbidden Love. Yeah. You've got lots of good stuff there. And then he goes into politics, and then it all goes downhill. He becomes mm-hmm. a senator in the state, uh, then a senator in Congress. He starts his affair with Nan. Uh, he has a child that he refuses to acknowledge. Uh, he becomes president. Nothing huge happens during his presidency that is silver screen-worthy, I would argue. I mean, the, those scandals. Uh, if you want to, you could go into the unlikely conspiracy direction with the deaths of Smith and Kramer. You could certainly get some so interesting f- so story should. out of it. Yeah. So I, there's a possibility there. So I, it's it's not bad. And there was some like glimmers of like, really interesting story, but it's not consistent throughout. Oh, yeah, he died. I forgot that part. Died suddenly, <laughs> which is it's quite quite good in a kind of story, kind of dramatic. Yeah, It's like, surely he's not going to (gasps) die. Oh, he's
0: died. Yeah, we've certainly seen worse. We have seen better. Yes. Um, I I think the whole... It's going to focus around the whole affair thing, isn't it? You could go slapstick with it, or you could just go heartbroken (laughs) Florence. Yeah, um... Yeah, if if I was if I was
1: making a film, it would not be his presidency at all. It would just be him and Florence getting together. That's what you need. Them getting married, them defeating Florence's father, and then it could end with the realization that neither of them actually love each other. Yeah, uh, oh, no. <laughs> it was all just to annoy Amos, which yeah. is not necessarily true. I should hasten to add that is just one way you could read it, which uh, would just make for a good story. I feel. Yeah, um, five. I think in five. Yeah. Yeah, maybe six, because... Yeah, no, I'm going to go for six. It's it's not amazing, but I think it's slightly better than average. Yeah, I'm going six. There you go. That is Warren G. Harding.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Uh, it looks like he's standing in the field in the forest. So in the woods. He's in, still in the middle of the woods. He's not out yeah,
1: and I think that literally is what that is, because you can see the uh, White House in a gap and some of the leaves. Oh, is it the White House? Oh, it might be the Capitol Building, actually. Uh, that makes more sense, since that's the dome of the Capitol Building. <laughs> not the White House, but yes. His hands seem to be very protective of Jerry. is clasping his hands in front of him, is not he? Yes. Uh, yes. Is that how you
0: imagined him to look? Um, he looks... like Looking at the photograph next to it, he looks quite aged. He doesn't look sprightly at all in that painting. Oh, it's not that's because he wasn't. He was not sprightly. He's a he's a grandad
1: by this point. Mm. Not literally, but he's a grandad figure with his mistress
0: in her early twenties. Yeah. It's uh it's all a bit yeah. It looks even more it just highlights it even more, it's really dodgy, isn't it?
1: Yeah, no, it's it's really not good. Um anyway, the painting I like it. I like the waistcoat. I like the white trim of the waistcoat. That's good. It's got a tie on. We're starting to really look modern now, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's. I'd actually call that a tie rather than some kind of weird Quavati yeah. type It's got of that thing. kind of the,
0: the 20s sort of the the curled ends of the 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 shirt collar.
1: There's Something slightly sad about the way he looks, though, isn't there? Yeah. And if someone said, "I'm going to paint you in front of a bunch of trees," I wouldn't expect <laughs> it to look like quite so. Drab. I, I'm not loving it. He just looks looks like a sad old man. Yeah, I'm going to give him a three. I'm giving him a two. Fair enough. So that is 1.25. Bonus! Terms, none. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, didn't do a full term. No, oh, no dear. points
1: there. Assassination, none. No one killed him. No one tried to kill him. Oh, dear. Election, two. Remember, he won in a landslide. Yeah. So there we go. Two bonus points in total. That's a, a bit of a grimace you've just done, done there, Jamie. I get the impression he's not done well. Mm. How bad are we talking? Do I need to remind the listeners of our lowest scores? Well, he's not in minus numbers. Right, he's not in minus numbers. So he's no James Buchanan or Andrew Johnson or John Tyler. Yeah. There are three in minus numbers. Is he in single digits? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Single digits. So we're talking more of a Millard Fillmore. What a Fillmore get Uh, Four. Just looking through. Uh, Grover Cleveland, nine. And that is it for
0: presidents in single figures. Well, he's beaten Fillmore. All right. But Cleveland has beaten Harding. He scored a grand total of 8.25. It's it's not a good score. It's not. It's really, really not. He wasn't a
1: good president. No. If it wasn't for the fact that he had a few interesting stories... And frankly hilarious nickname for his own jerry. Uh I think he would be in minus numbers. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I mean he's I mean, whenever anyone now in the US says gerrymandering, that to me, means a very different thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh well, we've got one last
0: question we need to ask. Well we don't really, but we'll ask it. American or American. No. Absolutely not. He is an American. He certainly is.
1: I was definitely more positive towards him last episode than this episode, doing my research. Because it's funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't have much of an opinion of him after the first episode. Uh, but after the second episode, it's like, no, I, I just want some nice people, Jamie. I want a nice person to be president. Yeah. It, it really doesn't happen very often. No. But maybe, maybe his vice president is nice. Hoover? No, not Hoover. Coolidge. Oh, Calvin! Oh, oh we're Calvin. about to hit the crash! Oh, <laughs> yeah, things things are going to get fun. This is when the stop, the Black Black Friday, was it? We will get into everything oh. in the future, Jamie. We will. No time to talk about it now, because this is the end of an episode, not the start. Sorry.
0: Uh, but <laughs> yes, exciting.
1: we have Coolidge coming up, and then it's Hoover, and then FDR himself. <gasps> Mr. Fudderer. Everyone, everyone is gleefully telling me over Facebook and Twitter that I will not be able to do in two episodes.
0: Oh, you did it with Augustus, you can do it with FDR. I
1: did it with Teddy Roosevelt. If I can do it with Teddy Roosevelt, I can That's do it true. with an FDR. Yeah. Even if a majority of the episode is just one minute summaries. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd we'd just record 3 4 hour episodes and I'll just speed up the audio to fit it into two. Yeah, fun be fine we will figure this out uh yeah anyway right that's all for the future though um
0: thank you very much for listening uh thank you for downloading us on uh itunes and podbean podbean yes that's that's the one well, i hope you deleted uh, that gap there. i was thinking
1: oh i definitely will uh <laughs> please please leave some reviews uh there's been some nice reviews recently yeah thank you um, we should read out some reviews we've not done that Possibly ever in this series. I don't think we, you have. we used to do it in the Roman one quite a bit, but yeah. I'm not sure we have in this series. Let, let's so, do that. Let's do that. Let's do that. Maybe, maybe Coolidge didn't get up to much in his early life, and it'll be a short episode next mm-hmm. week. Who knows? If so, we'll do uh, we'll do some some reviews. Yeah. So uh, yeah, great. So please leave a review. Who knows? Maybe it'll be read out. And uh, yeah, until next time. Cheers. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> It's so misty and If you white. would follow me, Warren, your time has come.
0: Oh, my. I... If this is the afterlife, then I certainly hope my legacy and my, my accomplishments will be remembered <laughs> long after my... Why are you laughing? <clears throat> laughing? I wasn't laughing. That I have was a, a snigger. No, that was a snigger. I, I heard you and saw you snigger. Oh. I'm just saying. I was hoping my accomplishments will, will long last since my bones will turn to dust. You're doing it again. No. What's so funny? Nothing. I I did many great things. I I I, I you know I, the country was frankly a mess, and that's a quote. It was a mess, and they were they're not my words. They're the, the, the words of very important people. That I made our country better, but better in the sense that it's better than it you know was I mean it's not well it's not good but it's it's better certainly for the rich people <laughs> uh, yes well that's not what
1: you'll be remembered for Warren uh, the disarmament pact there we go
0: no, ensuring that no, ju-
1: Warren pa- no? it's not the disarmament
0: Na- pact um ah I, I opposed uh, the, the, the thing in South America where we just invade all the no, time and t- it's not that Oh, it's not something bad, is it? Define bad. Well, there's the whole, uh, a d- 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 teapot thing. No, no. To-
1: or- It's not the scandals, Warren. Watergate takes over that. Water what? Never mind. It's not the scandals.
0: Oh, it's not the. It's Jerry. It's Jerry, Warren. You're remembered for Jerry. Jerry, the the senator of Ohio. Jerry McIntosh is I, I barely knew the guy. And I met him once.
1: No, not not that Jerry Harding. Jerry, Jerry.
0: But I still don't know who you mean. Harding, I,
1: Harding. I, yes. It's the
0: name you use for your penis. And everyone knows.
1: Everyone.
0: Oh, son of a.
1: Yeah. Can we get a regulate joke in? Regulate Yeah Warren G as in the, the the guy who did the Regulate song It's a very famous hip hop song from the early 90s
0: That's going to be so obscure
1: It's really not going to be obscure Trust me almost everyone knows this song okay. You're the weird one who doesn't know who Warren G okay, is Okay fair enough
0: <laughs> Well don't add this on to the end
1: <laughs> Are you looking up who Warren G is to see if he's actually a person?
0: So is the song called Warren G Or is the song called Regulate? No, no he's called Warren G right. The song
1: is Regulate But you can't avoid that song It is an incredibly well, I, did, I did a very song. good job of it, <laughs> avoiding no, That's a good point <laughs> OK, let's not get in a G Regulate joke into the end. OK. Because it clearly would go over your head. <laughs> but I will just be putting snippets of this conversation at the end instead. Right. <laughs>